Hey, I'm Abby. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to You Did the Reading, the podcast where we did the reading so you don't have to. What are we talking about this week, Jessica? This week we have a short story by Shirley Jackson, who our listeners may remember as the author of Hangs Out, which we talked about in an episode a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. So we thought we would carry that on because we both loved it. But yeah. Spice it up a bit. Exactly. And I mean, you were stating earlier some opinions, which, you know, just like the Pearl RuPaul drama, it's not relevant if it's not on camera. So I'd like you to um, repeat that concept for the listeners. Yeah, I really love this story. I read You Let Me Hangs Man like last week. Mm. And I am obviously mourning academia as my only personality trait and actually went to a webinar on We've Always Lived in the Castle a couple of days ago, which one of my old tutors was in. It was actually quite Weird. Quite niche. It was quite niche, but it was very, very good. It was just three speakers, and then they had a bit of a Q and A at the end. Mm. And it was, like I said, I was just kind of weirdly and quite depressingly happy to be back in like a seminar. <laughs> so, yeah. But it was also it was just very interesting, and um, my tutor had me for the module called something along the lines of like Victorian art and the marketplace so she did this quite interesting it wasn't quite Marxist but it was a reading of like shopping and food production in the book which I'm sure you can imagine was like really it was just very good anyway that's a brief tangent but I really liked the story it was very short (laughs) (laughs) briefy and apparently it's it's quite famous in like North American literary imaginations well I mean what a take because on Wikipedia it describes it as the most famous American short story, which Weird might be an overstatement. But academic uh, reference systems exactly. This past. Well, you know, I'm over the Wikipedia elitism, it's a great source of references. Did I check the references? No, however, it did say that. Beyond that, what are your thoughts? Well, I enjoyed it, I think. It does straddle the two kind of concepts, which she so often uses, like a thin line between like banality and horror. But in my opinion, it verged a little bit onto the banality side of things. I found it in places a touch boring. I don't want to be harsh right now. But it's interesting, actually, because I was reading a lot of stuff about it this morning. And like people were saying that at the time, people were really disgusted by it. And she got a huge amount of complaint letters on it. I think it's interesting, isn't it, like how standards have changed and what, you know, the horror imagination looks like today. You know, a lot of people are really interested in that idea of like kind of community coming together and like herd mentality Mm -hmm. or the idea of invisibility. And I would imagine that was particularly strong because it was published like three years post-war and people are beginning to like come into like stuff like I mean, the aftermath of like Nuremberg trials and stuff like that, that that must have been quite a big kind of, I guess, conversation. Right, Jess, um, tell me what happens in the lottery. So the lottery opens. It's the morning of June the 27th. Mm. And there's the, to be fair, I know what you mean about when you said it in times was boring because it is intensely description heavy at the very beginning and also um 
the dialogue does there is that sense of banality to it but with a kind of rising fear underneath it anyway so there's villagers gathering in a square there's about like a few hundred of them the squad yeah the squad exactly and the end of the first paragraph is just something along the lines of like the whole lottery only took out took a couple of hours so everyone will be home for lunch yeah that's the setup so there's mm-hmm. children assembling they're all like playing around with each other playing with some stones uh everyone's kind of chattering and it goes through all the different age groups just telling us as they're gathering and like gossiping and whatever mm-hmm. and then it's Mr. Summers is the man who conducts the lottery. And he comes mm. to the front of the crowd eventually with this battered old black box with bits of paper in. And it's at various points, as we know that this tradition has happened for years and years and years to the point where no one really remembers the origin of it. And the very minor changes have happened where it used to be like wood chips, for example, that these slips in the box were but now the village is too big so it has to be bits of paper yes and so the man from each family or there's kind of rules for how it delegates if there isn't a patriarch yeah comes and selects a piece of paper and in alphabetical order and then everyone opens it and one man has like the black spot on his piece of paper everyone starts panicking slightly or at least he does so yeah. then him and his family, so his wife and three kids, yeah, they all have to take a piece of paper. So that black spot goes back in. They all have to take a piece of paper as well. Um, eventually we find out that it's his wife who has the black spot and then everyone starts stoning her. Um, so Jess, what do you think it all means? Well, I wouldn't want to overreach, but no, sure, it's definitely... Not. There's a lot going on here. I think there's, we will talk a bit later about the significance of the kind of setting and the community aspect of it, which I do think is very key, especially in terms of that gothic idea of kind of being somewhere with very rigid rules that don't actually make a lot of sense, but also Mm -hmm. the mob mentality is strong enough that no one kind of within or without it is powerful enough to upset it or change it i think also um in terms of another point which is completely divergent is quite interesting the name the lottery yes in terms of i mean obviously lottery now is it's a it's a prize you want to win it yeah you want to win it and obviously tessie hutchinson who is the in inverted commas winner at the end i mean do we view it as a victory in a way is there something about it being like an accolade for having been the person who's protected everyone or is it a loss and the word lottery is supposed to be deliberately misleading yeah for the first two-thirds of the story I do think it was going to be positive Mm. but then I do think that general sense of I think unease is not strong enough (laughs) Mm. but everything just seems very off and very Mm. unsettling mildly like even uncanny to the mm. point where I was like, I'm not sure I'd want to be winning this. And I don't mm. think <laughs> I don't think the winner is going to be happy. I suppose I, the other thing that would be one more interesting question, which I will ask as I think of it, 
Um, what do you think is the significance that the person who died was a woman rather than a man, an older man, a child, a bebe? Those the uh, the three. Those are the categories. Man, older man, child, bebe. Forward fact. Um, yeah. I hadn't honestly thought of it. I guess it depends what, obviously, which, as you've said, it's never said, but it depends what you think, like, the motivation of it is. Yeah. In terms of if it's, I don't know, some sort of bizarre, like, eco-fascist population control, then mm. as a woman who can give birth, that kind of makes sense. But then also men can also reproduce. So I've kind of come in with my own counter-argument there. But yeah, but it's also, you know, in a, as a mother, it's a maximum sympathy thing. I don't really know. Yeah, I agree with both of those things. I suppose more, like, as traditionally in a kind of cisgender patriarchal society concept as the carrier of children the woman is viewed as more of a yeah productive source yeah um but i suppose also i think there is that thing isn't it where it's it falls in this midpoint between like are we supposed to view her with sympathy as somebody who's who's the unwilling and unsuspecting victim or or the fact that she you know, she she participates and she was willing to kind of come along and do it until it doesn't suit her. You know, mm-hmm. that it... Um, I don't know. I guess I, I do agree with you on both of those points. But I suppose if the point was that we were supposed to feel like, oh my God, would it not have been more powerful to show, like, a, a child? Yeah. So, because, you know, we would view them as more, like, naive and unsuspecting. Yeah, definitely. I think there's probably some element of, by being a mother's age, she will have herself participated in it mm. for a number of years. Mm. And what did she say at the very end? It's something like, uh, like her final words or something like, it isn't fair, it isn't right. Yeah. So it's that quite clear demonstration of only when she's on the other side of it is she saying anything like that or going against the traditional sure. of the lottery sure and uh, i mean i guess the only thing is like and to play devil's advocate like the kids are participating to sentence yeah sorry i'm just back in my seminars um <laughs> um it's just that like thing as well of you know the kids are participating as well but i suppose we view them as less responsible and the fact that we know her as a responsible figure i think she is like shown carrying stones and stuff earlier mm-hmm. that then we sort of um you know can kind of see how quickly that switches this is your favorite question abigail mm-hmm. um what text do you think would be interesting to compare to this and what can we get out of those comparisons well, thank you for asking me that question, Jess. Um, I had two good thoughts, um, and I will share both of them with you. And it's like, and that's it, full stop. Neither of them pertain to this question. First and foremost, I'd wondered about stuff like the Hunger Games seems quite a tight fit in terms of that, like lottery thing. The kind of the pulling of papers is quite an exact replica, yeah. and even though it's perhaps more convoluted in regards to you know, like it being a death game rather than a literal death sentence. Mm-hmm. It kind of buys into that same sense of, like, um, community drawing together, paying tribute, literally, and 
sacrifice for greater economic, national, agri- agricultural, etc. Good. Yeah. Um, the other one I had kind of wondered about, um, actually, when I was thinking about it, was the purge, Ooh. which is obviously slightly different in regards to the fact that it's not one person dying and it's not a drawing of lots, but that sense of the community allowing an overturning of law and order and normal standards of behaviour in order to expect an economic or like I don't know a social economic traditional reward I guess yeah and it is that idea of like the the first sentence of the lottery specifies the date mm. and and like it's referenced a couple of times so it is that idea of like a very specific we demarcated this day or this morning to mm. murder time. I don't know murder time exactly mm. is that slightly weird and really unsettling thing that appears in a lot of not even dystopian but kind of in a lot of literature and film where it's like we need to like release the tap and just like let the top off this kind of communities tension mm-hmm. issues da, 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 like once a year once every whatever in order for the other 364 days to be ordered. okay and ordered yeah I think what also is quite interesting that they that it deals with is, you know, like that thing of like them all kind of lunch and them all being respectful of one another and talking about that it was it was custom that all of these things had to be spoken out in full because that was the way, mm-hmm. you know, like that you have to ask, and why isn't your husband here to do this or whatever, even though everybody yes. in the community knows that they're they passed. And I suppose you sort of see a similar thing in stuff like the purge or like the Hunger Games, for example, the purge where you know they've all built these kind of fortresses in their homes in order to protect themselves and that is a kind of standard behavior and politess politess i guess because people kind of know to expect it and it has become an aspect an accepted aspect of life to the point where we've got like levels of traditions and etiquette falling over it and in the same way with like the hunger games where they all come like dressed up and like have bathed specially and have a nice breakfast and everything because it kind of has become an occasion or an event rather than a horror yeah and i think that's what's so insidious about it is like when i very not eloquently earlier talked about that Mm. shift where I realized that the lottery perhaps was not a positive thing was not 50 grand in the bank exactly there is that very unsettling like you say etiquette about the whole thing where Mm. it's happened long enough and frequently enough that it's almost ironically become embedded in the same community spirit and community rules Mm. and regulations Mm. as I don't know, anything else that doesn't involve stoning people to death. The only comparison point I could think of was the whole setting and the slightly eccentric and entrenched in tradition characters really made me think of, um, I actually can't remember which one it was, maybe book four, the series of unfortunate events, Mm. where the central premise is them learning about the psychology of a mob. Mm-hmm. and there is a bit where I can't even remember it well enough but they're they're all in a crowd and there is some sort of potential murder or someone like up on a stocks or something yeah. and they disperse themselves within the crowd and like one of them says no don't do it or like this isn't right and then one of them somewhere else because there's the three kids one of them somewhere else is like yeah he's a good man or something and they like and in that very kind of 
idiosyncratic way that the narrator does they explain how the psychology of a mob works and how it can be undercut by them doing that kind of setup. those moves yeah 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 the setting of like a very desolate i'm not sure if it's actually north american i feel like the series of unfortunate events settings are always reasonably indeterminate yes but that is some books i want to reread i think that's a pretty good comparison actually but i'd kind of forgotten about that it's been a hot sec since i read forward slash watched any sort of series of unfortunate events you know when we're talking about christmas books maybe i'll just reread all 13 (laughs) just like back to back them that was a good series i feel like as well really bites into that like child like kids are so macabre like so morbid don't you think do you remember as well like i I remember absolutely loving them like as you i'm sure you can imagine a tiny jess being like this is the literature literature i've read it yeah I mean, like, as well, like, if you think about, you remember horrible histories or whatever, they used to be like, here are the ten grossest ways people got tortured to death. And they'd be like, the 11-year-olds absolutely eating it up, yeah. And you'd be like, that is insane! That must have been so painful! It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, when did that become a thing? They're not wrong, though, because, I mean, like, kids do, like, really get into that. I feel like kids are either obsessed with Horrible histories, mentioning no names, dinosaurs, um, mood, like the ocean. Yeah, that's or, true. Space or space. That's the fourth one. Yeah, there you I go. That's like just my hot take on the matter. It's true, but I feel like all of those again buy into that kind of like, you know, it's like that dinosaur could crush you. All the dinosaurs got killed by a meteor. Yeah. Now they're fossils, bones. You know, again, it's like sweet dreams. <laughs> you're like and with that in mind good night what do you think is the role of tradition as a theme or a plot point in this story well i think that is an excellent question jess and um i will answer it in several different ways of which you can pick which one you want to pick up on um i think tradition is obviously relevant in terms of the tradition behind the um lottery is like a significant part of what motivates them to do it and what is kind of the justification like i think that it repeatedly talks about there not being an understood reason for the lottery taking place but it being part of the sense of maintaining the townships i guess integrity or whatever Mm-hmm. So that is obviously important. I think there's also in a kind of like metatextual type of way. I don't know if it's metatextual or whatever, hypotextual. I don't know. Anyway, that kind of sense of the book itself has become part of tradition and has become an influential factor, but it also takes into account other like preceding horror um, narratives. And by that, I mean, it's kind of like pseudo semi canonical. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of reshapes I guess I'm trying to think of other books that preceded it that have that deal with that kind of concept um because like the thing is as well like by the time you're going back into like late 1800 it's all very um you know one individual menace mm. but I'm trying to think of texts that come before it that recreate that in a kind of 
I guess war narratives and stuff must do it a bit. But I'm yeah, not... I'm trying. I think any texts that come close are too. What am I trying to say? Are too kind of like chronologically specific in terms yeah. of what's so creepy about <laughs> very technical terms here about mm. this story is that the key issue with the tradition I mean besides the fact that it mm. culminates in stoning someone to death is that no one knows the origin and no one really cares to question the origin mm. I suppose also like it's interesting that it being timeless for us allows it to become could that be part of our tradition you know what I mean like because it's timeless and placeless there's an ability to kind of put it into any scenario or situation and to input it into your own experience yes I think and you can quite easily see how it's become allegorical yeah for a whole host of things yeah it um you know Shirley Jackson really was like I want people in 2020 to be using this to talk about Trump you know and we were all like fair enough Shirley like we'll do it for you you know Mm -hmm. and we haven't today but you guys can have a little think about that because that's for sure something you could talk about you know don't say we don't give you thinking points on this podcast yeah exactly like it's just like you know one of those like things on like e-notes which is like have you considered and you're like no and then they're like well no further questions and that is us (laughs) that's what we do for you what else do you do you feel on this well there's the line I was thinking of when we're thinking of tradition is the towards the very beginning where it says the lottery was conducted as were the square dances the teenage club Mm. the Halloween program by Mr Summers who had time and energy to devote to civic activities Mm. having read the whole thing that's such a kind of unusual juxtaposition yeah, and like a really insidious way to put it in terms of the the sense of no one really thinking further back than who's going to run it. And even that question is like, well, obviously it will be this yeah. kind of volunteer king, Mr. Mm-hmm. Summers. King. Exactly. He wins the volunteering awards every year. Everyone's like, fair play to you. Um, no, I, I completely agree. I think as well, it's a super interesting in terms of comparing it with those things, which are kind of like, I guess you do lose, you know, like people don't know why we celebrate Halloween or why we do teenage dances or whatever, apart from like, it's fun. So I guess Mm -hmm. is the implication behind that, that there is a level of pleasure to be had in in this you know is this something that people are enjoying on some level yeah I think from even just like a psychological perspective the perhaps pleasure isn't the right word but Mm. to be to realize that you're safe having been in a lottery that's technically as equal yeah as like any other do you know what I mean as in to be in that situation and be and realize that you had an equal opportunity opportunity an equal threat as anyone yeah. to be that person, but you're not. And the, yeah, from a psychological perspective, even just like the relief of that 
the devastating fear to like euphoric relief exactly i feel Quite like a roller that... coaster i think you'd agree i think you know you'd certainly go back and you'd be like woo that's all i need for this year yeah you know? time to make some lunch yeah exactly quiche anyone in a way it kind of reminds me and i should have talked about this in the comparison section because we've been quite into our ariaster lately haven't we we watched midsummer i, I feel like that's i was waiting for you when at the beginning where you were talking about like how horror looks in the modern age i was like here we go here we bloody go um yeah i mean i do always talk about saint maud but saint maud is more about that kind of individual thing it's more archaic whereas midsummer is interesting because it's how does the individual submit to the community i mean Mm -hmm. with florence Pugh, whose name is danny in the film the fact that she like just comes into the setting and she's like, "Oh, what's up? We're into we're into murder." Okay, um, I pick him. <laughs> she's like, all of a sudden, I'm seeing this might seem a bit random. My boyfriend in a birth suit being burnt to death, and everyone's like, "That seems great. We love this. Um, we love the creativity that you're bringing to this role." I think the thing is as well that I always wonder about the end of Midsummer, and then I and then I will allow us to like get back to the book. Is that like? You know, she like wanders around in her sort of like flower slug outfit. And then at the end, it's like that burning scene. I'm like, but does she like then just go back to the States and everyone's like, oh, where's your boyfriend? She's like, yeah, I burned him to death. Or does she just continue to hang out there? Or is she like, nice holiday, I'm going on the plane? I think that is left open. But you'd stay there, wouldn't you? I think you would have to after that experience. This is true. Okay, yeah. Anyway, um... The only other thing I was going to say was I think there's a sense throughout the whole thing that tradition, regardless of whether or not you actually know the origins of it, it kind of almost doesn't matter because it hinges on its own symbols and the people Mm. that uphold those symbols and like give them meaning. So the whole thing does centre around the box, so Mm -hmm. the black box that has the slips in it. And there's one bit, if I can find it, that says, Mr. Summers spoke frequently to the villagers about making a new box. No one liked to upset even as much tradition as was represented by the back box. Mm-hmm. So people don't even want to replace the box, which is quite shabby, I believe. By this shabby, point. embarrassing. But then it's but then people project their own things onto that where they say, like, oh, I don't know, like one side of it that's really a different colour is because it's been made out of bits of the old original box, like that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's necessarily like a positive or negative comment about tradition. It's just showing in quite basic terms kind of how it works. Yeah, I agree. I suppose it also talks to the fact that almost if they destroyed the box or if they replaced the box, what would be the reason to carry out the tradition do you know what I mean like there is nothing concrete that physically ties them to that do you know what I mean and I think that is perhaps another like part of the hesitation there that like it becomes a safety net to some awareness that that's what it that's the only thing that actually forces them in inverted commas to do it this physical object that is like a kind of relic of responsibility Right, Jessica Curry. I want to ask you one final question, and that is the combination of the last two questions because we've almost run out of time. And that is about what do we feel about the kind of setting and community 
in light of this text as a gothic or inverted commas horror text so Shirley Jackson obviously wrote quite a lot of things within that genre and what do you think is the significance of the fact that she chose to set it in this kind of nowheresville kind of nothing community um and how does that reflect on other texts and pieces of art or writing that attempt to achieve the same thing i think not to really like go back to exactly the same point again but this series of unfortunate events book this is what this is what made me think of it the most because Mm. it's that middle of nowhere very takes forever to get in or out of it and also the the isolation of it and the inability to kind of I don't know that idea of a community that for perhaps dozens or even like hundreds of years has never had anyone come in or out of it so has been Mm -hmm. able to self-sustain within that tradition setting exactly and develop these traditions with absolutely no input input or opportunity for comparison or you know someone to suggest that a yearly stoning might not be a great idea and I guess as well does the reader almost become that figure like is it a question of like if you walked into that setting you're being asked like would you as Tessie Hutchinson calls out you at the end it's not fair are you like it is not fair but I wouldn't do anything or are you like almost by virtue of people writing these letters are they trying to suggest that they would be able to personally stop it or whatever do you know what I mean yeah and I think Shirley Jackson does do does gesture to that in Mm. I'm not going to pretend I understand verb tenses but kind of the way that she writes it even Mm. just so she says the children assembled first of course there's Mm -hmm. an implication of the reader in how it works and it's um again it's it's written in a way as if you're stood there observing yeah. everyone gather, which I think is quite interesting. But I'm trying to think of modern Gothic. I feel like that's more your scene. Yeah, yeah. Interesting question. I mean, I think certainly in the last like few years or so, I think people have become more concerned with what I say last few years, I would say like the later part of the 20th century people have become more concerned with trying to do stuff that it's like horrifying because it is within the realm of experience. Mm-hmm. I think dystopia or horror works most effectively if people can imagine that it would happen to them. When it becomes like too unlikely, in inverted commas, I guess people can detach by suggesting it, it won't. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. It's when you can fill in the steps almost between your current situation and the one you see. Yeah, so I mean... it's unsettling. It sort of reminds me of, I mean, in no point other than the fact that it's like dealing with like realm of possibility stuff like the Bunker Diaries, which I read when I was like 15 and it emotionally traumatised me for months. Um, What's that? It's basically about these like um, kids who get like chloroformed and then one night trying to find something in the back of an old man's car and then they get taken down and put in a bunker and then allowed to like starve to death. It's really, really awful. And I was given it as a 15 year old. And it was um, incredibly traumatic. Um, But, like, the fact that that kind of went off the back of stuff, like the kind of Ted Bundy narratives that have become so, like, Mm well-known and stuff like that, you know, people are familiar with it. So it is scary because it is... People think it could happen to them. But people can feel 
I mean, I guess if you think about stuff like, I don't know, The Shining, whatever, mm-hmm. or like Misery, also by Stephen King, or I don't know, Full Dark, No Stars, people think of it as something that is an incredibly specific event that is scary within that certain context. Yeah, and I do think it's a, it's a mixture of it's dystopia in the sense that you say where it's like you could find yourself in this situation, but I also think it's old in the sense of yeah the setting seems almost kind of like it's not wild west but it's that idea of like you could actually a few a few years ago I'm talking like (laughs) 50 to 100 years ago go to a very remote insular North American community and find whilst not perhaps this particular set up yeah um a community that is similarly entrenched in slightly rootless traditions and practices yeah I mean I suppose the the way in which they for example like deal with gender by like having the patriarch pick it out having Mr Summers lead it Mm. having it having to be men over 16 and having very structured ideas of what ownership and family look like mm-hmm. does in a way tie it to a kind of heteronormative gendered narrative which again speaks to I suppose the kind of like horror people find in um the banality of suburbia and stuff like that yeah um, I think that makes sense in the context of Jackson's wider writing which I feel yes. in some way is all just talking about the I guess the horror in the existence of a 1950s housewife is essentially... And I suppose, like, even though it's not fully horror, it kind of speaks to stuff like, in a modern phrase, stuff like a simple favour, which, like, also deals with, like, trying to fit in, trying to make life work as a person who feels like they've got an individual identity, but also has a role to play within traditions and those traditions might not be stoning people to death within the village but those same traditions might be upholding values or cultures that are ultimately harmful in some way or another well thank you very much for talking to me about that one jess um, thank you perhaps you would also do me the favor of telling me where our readers can find us if they wish to contact us yes you can drop us an email at did the reading pod at gmail.com you can also contact us via our Instagram, which is did the reading pod. And on there, you can also keep up to date with what we're doing and see snippets of our previous episodes. Delightful. Well, I'll see you next week for another episode. Thank you. And thank you for listening.